1: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now, this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. And that's what Jesus promised in John 10:10. 10, 10. And today we continue in a new series called The Elephant in the Family Room, and today's topic is on marriage, which is the first institution that God created. This one flesh exclusive permanent relationship with the foundation for family grows. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. The message is called The Elephant of Marriage. Pastor Sean is teaching from Ephesians chapter five. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
2: Another elephant in the family room that we're gonna address this morning is the elephant of our broken understanding of marriage. Our broken understanding of marriage. One of the things we've talked about is that the family is where people come from. We're so impacted by our families. And God designed family to start with a marriage, or at least it's supposed to. And a lot of people resist this, but I want to suggest, and I don't think think it's hard to reinforce this idea, is that as the marriage has gone, so has family. Think about the divorce rate. And think about the carnage it's played on families. Think about broken homes and what that does to kids. I mean, really, all kinds of studies support the fact that kids whose homes are intact and they have both parents supporting and encouraging in their life, they just have so many advantages. Poverty directly related to broken homes, statistically. You can't deny it. It's not even a close call. The reality that society doesn't like the implications of this doesn't change the facts. Here are the facts. In his wisdom... God designed procreation, that, that part that God uniquely gives to a husband and wife to participate in creation. He designed procreation so it would require a father and a mother. That was his plan. His plan was that children <clears throat> would be raised with the people who participated in bringing them into the world. And so by that, they would automatically have role models of what mature masculinity and femininity looked like. That was his design he designed marriage to be part to be a lifelong relationship between a man and a woman that would be the foundation of a family now a couple observations we didn't design family marriage so we don't get to redefine it okay we got a lot of people got all worked up a few years back when the supreme court allowed same sex unions same sex marriage i want to suggest to you that is the right of the government to change laws and make laws they can make Godly laws, they can make godless laws. That's part of the purview of a government. You have good government, you have not-so-good government. That's just how it works. There is no perfect government. Let me tell you what government doesn't have the right to do. They cannot change the institution of marriage. They can create, they can, they can kind of try to redefine it, but <clears throat> understand, they didn't design marriage. They didn't institute marriage. Marriage existed long before this government or any other government on the face of the planet existed. And as such, they don't get to redefine it. What the government legalizes doesn't change our understanding of what God designed. It's the gift of marriage between a man and a woman who are committed to him and committed to one another. See, We didn't get to design marriage and family, so we don't get to redefine it. And our failures in how we've carried that out or understood it don't negate God's design. Secondly, our failure doesn't mean that God can't bless us even in our current family situation, if we surrender it to him. Every time I talk about the subject, I recognize there are people who have experienced a broken marriage, and they're here. And right away, there's this temptation to feel defeat and hopelessness. And I want to just say, if you think it's too late for your family because of something like that, you are forgetting one of the primary concepts and understandings of our faith. Redemption. It's what God does. God specializes in bringing dead things back to life. The secret is to give it over to him. To say, Lord, my way didn't work, but I want to follow your way. He can do amazing things when we hand him the pieces of our life, even our failures. But understanding and remembering God's intended design is critical as we follow him in the context of our family. Now, one thing I want to say right up front, everybody who's married will just understand this and will totally support me in this. Marriage is not easy. Let me say that again. In case you're wondering. In case there are single people out there saying, oh, this is going to be such a breeze. Marriage is awesome. And it is awesome. Don't get me wrong, but it is not easy. It is an amazing gift. It truly is. Marriage is an amazing gift, but it's complex. It's challenging. It's difficult. Even, it can even be painful at times. It, here's the deal. You put two sinners into a bond that is never to be broken. You can see how there could be problems, right? Think of all the challenges we face Every married couple, when I conduct a wedding or one of our pastors conducts a wedding, every married couple has all these challenges. Think about two histories blended into one family. I mean, after the honeymoon's over, the first thing you realize is your spouse is weird. (laughs) They do everything wrong, don't they? From folding the towels, uh, you know, where we put things. Why would you put the dishes there? The the silverware drawer, that's the worst possible silverware drawer. It's just what they do because your two histories... Everything blended into one family. Communication, how we communicate, how we talk to each other, how we solve problems, how we argue, how we fight, how we make up. Children, how we raise kids. Lori and I had that wonderful experience. Once our kids were gone, it's like we hardly have anything to fight about anymore. This is awesome. I mean, we still have money, so it's good. We can still fight about that. but I mean, think about finances. You know, when you're single, you're independent, you do what you want with your, your money. You make decisions. When you're married, you're now partnering with another person, sex, goals, careers, building a house. You ever built a house? If you want to test your marriage, I want to suggest you build a house. It's like a marriage boot camp. You know, Lori and I recently went through this, and ordinarily you only have 20 things at a given time to argue about. Okay? You start building a house, you have 200 things to argue about every week. All the choices. I mean, they start talking to you about well, okay, what kind of house you want to build? The designers, the people are telling you, oh, okay, oh, all the here's all the different things for the floors, the wood, the the tile, the stone. All of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, isn't carpet che- cheaper? Hey, can't we have the Chipper Chicken? You know, in, in carpet? And, and, oh, no, 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 no. I'm reminded, no, no, no. Those the carpet holds allergens. You can't have that. Oh, now it's medical. Once it's medical, okay. <clears throat> the medical trump card has been pulled. know oh, I. Brr, it's medical. We have to. Mm. Here's how I know if something's medical. If I can charge it to my health insurance, then it's medical. Okay. Give me those wood floors. I'll, I'll charge it to my health insurance. See, see how they do it. Okay. It's not medical. But my naturopathist says I'm like what? Nature who? Naturopathist isn't that a guy who works at a zoo or maybe a, some kind of park ranger or something? No, no. It's medical. Here's the deal, wood, tile, stone, if you like it so much, let's live outside. It's already there. It's fantastic. I don't have to pay some guy to move it in the house. Ah, this was fun. We had a major impasse over this attic stairwell or how we, what we're going to do for the attic access, right? You know how that goes. they got the little ladder that comes out. It's in the garage, little ladder that comes down. Well, we got 10-foot ceilings, and my wife is like the queen of Christmas, and it's awesome. I love it. But she has like a thousand of these tubs that I have to bring down for Christmas. Okay, a thousand, I'm exaggerating. I, it's probably not more than six or 700 tops, tops. <laughs> Actual number 35. And when I checked with her, she's like, no, that's probably fair, 35. Okay, and the Christmas tree and all, all this stuff, anything we're going to put in the yard, all this stuff. It's wonderful. Our place is beautiful. I love it. It's family. It's wonderful. It's holidays. It's great. But when they got this little hole and seen it's 10 foot and this little ladder that you got to come in, you got to get all that stuff down. So Malcolm Croslin helped us kind of walk through the design process. He used to be a home builder. He told me about uh, a ladder that it's like came from NASA. For, really, because it it like folds down. It's this wide, you know, really wide, like 36 inches wide. And it's all lightweight aluminum, but it's heavy duty. It has a rail, so it's more like you're walking upstairs. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. But it was $1,200. Wait, that's a big budget buster. Big budget buster. No, no. So I'm talking about it. I'm like, I'm like dude. And, and then <laughs> Lori says, well, but the one at Home Depot is $400. I'm like, but it's balsa wood and it's about 18 inches wide. No. It's medical. It's medical. I, I won't be safe. It's medical. <laughs> I'll break my neck. It's medical. <laughs> that didn't work. Well, let me just say, what did my mother-in-law came to the rescue. She saved us. She goes, well, I saw someone who had a stairway. Just They just had stairway access. It took a couple feet of the garage, and we hadn't framed yet. The framer, like, he did it for way less than the NASA thing, just a little bit more than the Home Depot balsa wood thing, and it's awesome. I now have an attic that men come over. I don't show them the rest of the house. I don't care about the rest of the house. Come see my attic, please. I've had guys walk up, oh, look at how luxurious. Th- Imagine carrying your tubs down
0: stairs.
2: We have this deal over the placement of the TV. Because when you build a new home, the cool thing, you never have a choice like this when you buy a place. you got to kind of put it where it is. You get to choose. And that's awesome. But, but I'm like, okay, the center of the living room, right? And we get a 180-inch TV. it would be like a theater right there. And, oh, no, no, no. we got the fireplace, course stone fireplace. We'll put the fireplace in the corner. Oh, no, it's got to be. And, you know, so the whole thing. In the, and, okay, so the TV keeps getting small. And it's, it's got to be put in a corner in a cabinet okay, with doors, because we're trying to trick people. They don't know we have a TV. It's like a secret. <laughs> you come over, Pastor Sean's too spiritual. He wouldn't have a TV in his house. He, all he has is a Bible. That's it. <laughs> it was this weird discovery when building a house. Everything I like is ugly. Everything. All cool tech things, all useful things, all things that are just awesome, that, you know, they're all ugly. <laughs> we had serious conversations over the speakers on the patio. Those are too big. Those are too big. People will see them. Don't you think the music will be a dead giveaway? <laughs> Once the music starts, they'll know we have speakers, okay? <laughs> That's why we recommend reengage before and after you build a house. You do re-engage before you build, kind of as a booster, you know, re-engage our marriage ministry. It's awesome. You do it before, and then you do it after, and then you, then you can be okay. See, anyone who's been married understands what I'm talking about. That's the real-life stuff you got to just deal with. I want to say that the differences that make some of those interesting conversations also one of our greatest strengths when we start talking about marriage because God designed those differences.
1: And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called The Elephant of Marriage, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio.
2: If you have your Bibles, take a look at Ephesians chapter 5, beginning at verse 21. Just a very familiar passage, a very difficult passage in our cultural context, but a very important passage when we talk about marriage, because I think it gives us the structure of a healthy, God-blessed marriage. Let me read it for you. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Can I get an amen from the ladies? No? (laughs) Some of you ladies, thank you. God bless you. you. You tried. That's tough in our current cultural context. That is, that's a tough one. But we're going to see that God has an intention in mind and that there's a gift in everything he shares. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what it says, for what it teaches us. I thank you for the gift that your truth is. I pray that you'd speak to us and give us the courage to walk in obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. A few observations. First thing we notice in that passage that jumps out at us is the different roles and the politically incorrect nature of Of them. But here's a decision we have to make right now. Um, We have to decide are we going to build our marriages on the foundation of culture or Christ? And we have to decide what we're going to build our marriages on. Because we follow culture, we're going to get what culture is giving in regard to marriage. We follow Christ, we're going to get what he offers. See, we're called to be counter culture. Another thing I think we see in that passage that's kind of unique is this comparison of the marriage of the man and wife to Christ and his church. We see a high view of marriage. We see a glimpse of how God sees marriage as the cornerstone of our faith, not just of the family, but of our faith and how marriage can train us to respond and live in the body of Christ. Marriage is not just our thing between you you and your spouse. We're part of something that God has been doing that is integrated into his plan for redemption. Third thing that jumps out at us, I think, is the uniqueness of the marriage relationship is one flesh. There's no other relationship like that. That's a reference back to Genesis. So The two are one flesh. And there's no other relationship we're going to have. We're going to have lots of other close relationships in our lives. Relationships with our kids, relationships with friends. They're not the one flesh relationship. It's different. God has a high view of marriage that's one of the things I think we need to th- that we need to th- just kind of stop and acknowledge God sees marriage differently than our culture does. And the first thing we need to do is say God help me to see it the way you see it. I believe this passage gives us the anatomy of a Christ-centered marriage. The secret to the gift of a Christ-centered marriage, and here it is. Secret to the bonds of matrimony is knowing what the bonds of matrimony really are because I don't think we know. Let me tell you, it's not compatibility. We spend a lot of time and energy trying to find someone who's compatible. And that's a compatibility is a good thing. I'm not saying it's not good. It's just not one of the bonds of matrimony. Convenience, definitely. Marriages of convenience, not one of the bonds of matrimony. Financial shared interest. Some people, well, it makes financial sense. That's not one of the bonds of matrimony. Common goals, as important as they are, it's not one of the bonds of matrimony. Physical attraction, as wonderful as that is, it's not... One of the bonds of matrimony. Similar tastes or preferences. They're not. No, no. This passage gives us the powerful, spiritual, deep bonds of matrimony. I just want to say to you, there's a phrase that I absolutely hate as a pastor when I start talking to people. And they say things like, well, we've just grown apart. We've just grown apart. Let me tell you something. Couples don't grow apart. I don't believe couples grow apart. They simply ignore the bonds of marriage that God gave to promote a great marriage. See, I just want to stop and, and, and remind you. Some of you, maybe, maybe this first time you've heard this, marriage is one of God's greatest gifts. It is one of God's greatest gifts. It, marriage is awesome. When it is done God's way, marriage is truly awesome. It is a love like no other. I have to tell you, I love my wife so much. She's such an incredible gift. If you know me, I married way above my pay grade, right? We all know this. When I met Lori, I had no idea. I've I've told people before. I said, I didn't realize how much God was giving me, and I didn't realize the gift she was. I didn't have the wisdom at the time. At that age, I didn't know the gift that I was getting. I knew, well, wow, she's good looking. <laughs> you know, that, that, that was kind of where That was like, I, I understood that, okay? And, and she's a Christian. Hey, Lord, that's awesome. High five me and Jesus. Woo! And she can cook. My gosh. That's it. I knew those things. I'm like, man, it's all good. I didn't have the wisdom to understand the ways that God was going to complement my life. The way... He, he was going to speak into my life the things that my wife had that I needed to grow as a person that he had planted in her. I didn't have the wisdom to understand that. This is a love like no other. It's awesome. Companionship through life's up and downs. There's no one I'd rather go through life with than my, than my wife. The ups are even better. The celebrations are better because you've got someone to share them with. The downs... They're not, they're not as bad. Not that they're not so hard, but we don't, I don't have to bear it alone. It's a gift. The gift of sex in a committed relationship the way God intended it. Real intimacy the way it was supposed to be, not as just recreation or as a competitive sport. You see, one of the problems with sex in so many marriages is, is we're not supposed to have comparisons. God did not design us. Okay, we're not supposed to have comparison. When we go into marriage, sexual some people say, "Well, you got to try it out, make sure everything works, you know." Like you misunderstand. You're misunderstanding what that is. It is a a level of intimacy that one obviously results in procreation. It's a gift of the Lord. But it is an intimacy that is designed to be shared between a husband and wife. There's not supposed to be these points of comparison. There's not supposed to be. It's not about performing. It's not about, well, does it, you know, are you compatible? It's about expressing your love to one another physically. It's about intimacy in that regard. And it's only supposed to be shared with that person. There's a safety in that. You're not supposed to be wondering, oh, I wonder how I compare to their other partners. That's not the way God designed it. You're, it's a safety. That's what he's supposed to, we're supposed to experience. Children and family are an incredible gift. You know, there's challenges, it's a lot of work, but each stage of our kids' development had its new joys and its new excitement, its new ch- challenges. But that's been one of the coolest things. And then, of course, there's grandkids. <coughs> <coughs> Grandkids are the most awesome thing in the world. You love them as much as your kids, but you don't have that same level of responsibility. You're like, you're like the backup team. Your kids are, the, are the, the front line. It's amazing. And the joy of watching a little person who looks exactly like one of your kids, this little person looking at your child and saying, you're not fair. And you kind of going, yeah, you're not. Mm, <laughs> it's terrible. Mm, it's very, very sad. I was fair when I was a parent. Grandparents, is awesome. This is a gift. Marriage is a gift. The bonds of matrimony is a gift. But the secret, the bonds of matrimony, is knowing what the bonds of matrimony really are. Let me give you a few of those. First, the bond of mutual submission. The bond of mutual submission. Notice how our passage started out. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. See, the first submission is submission to Christ. Not even just to one another. The first submission is a submission to Christ. Let me just tell you one of the great secrets of a great marriage. It's so common sense, it's so simple. Follow the same leader. Follow the same leader. Have the same compass at the core of your being. Because when you don't, everything becomes more difficult. Look at all the scripture says, 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Now, we know this passage isn't specifically talking about marriage. We quote it all the time to our young people when they're dating, and they're making these kind of choices and decisions, because it's just great sense. But do not be yoked together with unbelievers. That, they could be talking about business partners. But they're also talking about marriage. Anything where you become a partner, you become yoked with someone see, when, when a believer marries an unbeliever, everything is hard. Every decision is difficult. What are we going to do with our money? Well, the Bible says, and your partner goes, oh, yeah, I don't believe that. I, I don't care about that. Yeah, I'm reading this book, and this guy's got a new idea, and let's try that. Well, yeah, but the Word of God says, and it's timeless, and it's, yeah, I don't believe that. just got tough. You got a difficult issue with your kids. Well, the Bible says, and the, the Lord says, and... Yeah, I don't believe that. So no, I, I'm not with that. I, you know, I saw, this, I saw this guy on Oprah, and it was, wow, he well, sounded really smart, it's great. It's like, you have no common center, no common core. Everything becomes difficult, more difficult, because you're not following the same leader. When you both are followers of Jesus Christ, you have a common foundation and framework from which to make all those decisions and deal with all those issues that come up in the context of marriage. The first submission is submission to Christ. So many things work better when you're following the same leader.
1: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio.
2: And if you'd like to hear this full message in the
1: series, The Elephant in the Family Room, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org.